Hello and welcome to CM Conversations, our podcast from Charlton Morris, where we look to speak with people from around the world about particularly interesting topics or projects from the markets that we serve. I'm Chris Holland, Head of Marketing here at Charlton Morris and your host, uh, as well as being the interviewer for the conversations in CM Conversations. In today's episode, I spoke with Charlotte Lockhart, who is CEO of The Four Day Week, a consultancy dedicated to just that helping businesses transition from the traditional model of a five-day working week to working four days instead. Um, I'll not get into the reasons themselves now, Um, there are many, um, but Charlotte articulated them really well during our conversation, which uh, you'll hear in a few moments. As I'm sure you will agree, this is a topic that's being discussed more and more by the global business community. And once you've listened to this conversation, um, then we would love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, would a four-day week be practical, possible or attractive for your business? Uh, Would you consider introducing it into your team or would you even be laughed out of the boardroom if you even thought about suggesting it? Um, Please do get in touch with us and let us know, um, you know, what your thoughts are on this by using the email address that you can find in the description underneath this episode. Now, that's enough from me for the time being. Um, I'll leave you to listen to my conversation with Charlotte Lockhart all about the four-day week. So to, to, to kick things off then, um, again, thanks very much for, for, for giving us your time um, for, to have a conversation about this, Charlotte. I suppose if you want to start things off, would you like to um, introduce yourself and, and, and yes. tell us a little bit about the work you're doing? Great. Okay. Well, look, I'm Charlotte Lockhart. I'm the CEO of what's called Four Day Week Global. And we're basically a community that has been set up by Andrew Barnes and myself uh, to help all those who are on four-day week, um, either as a business or researching it or interested in understanding how it works, and give them a, a platform on which to um, coordinate that conversation. Okay. Um, and so, what I suppose to start off then, what, what drew you to being involved in this, this cause yeah. of, of a, of a four-day week then? Well, so we set up a four-day week in our business Perpetual Guardian in New Zealand, and your listeners will um, likely have uh, seen that um, in the media, and it, we, that was very successful. We ran a successful trial first, and then we rolled it out permanently last year in our business, um, and that continues to be a huge success around uh, our company, and, but it also continues to be a topic of conversation around the world. Uh, One of the things that we did that continues that conversation is we did research alongside what we did with um, academic researchers as opposed to just giving you our internal findings. Um, And so that research was quite important in this space. Um, And so, and is available on our website. And if anybody wants any further information about the four-day week, we have a website, fourdayweek.com. Um, and so, and through that process, we ended up having great conversations with people around the world, and it became clear that there was a hunger to know more about this sort of future of work way of working, um, and understand why it works and how it works, and some of the fundamentals around that. Um, in addition to that, we've had a lot of, well, obviously a lot of media, but also a lot of researchers contact us, and we get conversations uh, fired at us from researchers all around the world 
pretty much every week. Um, and so what we wanted was a platform to be able to pull all of that together. There is quite a bit of research being done on this now um, in various forms. And there, are, and there are really interesting pieces of research on the fringes. Um, so there's great research coming out of Oxford and we have um, the Barnes Research position at Oxford's um, Wellbeing uh, Research Centre that is there. Um, and then we also um, have the research being done at Harvard by a woman called Ashley Whelans. Uh, and she, she mostly looks at happiness and, and why and how we are happy. And so there's some important research, there's stuff being done at, at Cambridge, um, Henley Business School did another piece on the UK market. Um, and so all of that's quite interesting and it's about having a place to pull all of that together and provide not only the advice but also the ability for people to sort of see what else is out there. Yeah, I suppose that, I mean, now all of the academic research is going on into it as well. I suppose it gives people or gives businesses uh, a justification for doing it. Well, it does. And because, you know, if you think about it, it's one thing a businessman like Andrew deciding he's going to do it in his business that he entirely owns um, and saying, look, I'm just going to do it because I think it's an interesting thing to do. He did it merely as an academic exercise. Right. And, and, and the point of difference that he did compared with a, a lot of people that have done it, particularly in smaller businesses, for a lot of smaller businesses, they do it because I think it's, this is going to be a nice thing to do for my staff. It's going to give us better well-being and therefore we will get better productivity. Andrew was more interested in, in well, what is the productivity in our business and, and how would I measure that to know it because I don't have productivity measures across everything in my business. And if I could measure it, and we could be more productive, does that give me a pathway to give the staff more time off and then get those well-being things? And, and the interesting thing about that approach, of course, is that it suits a lot of businesses because businesses need to take that view. It's, you need an altruistic owner to just go down the well-being space without looking at how will it impact on the, prof on the profitability and productivity of the business and having that as its primary goal. Now, Andrew sits across both of those, which is quite fortunate, but for a lot of businesses, if you think about it, you know, they've got external boards, uh, probably external shareholders, um, and so they've got a whole layer of additional evidence that they need to provide that this works and it's okay and it's safe. I mean, if you think about it, a board's job is to de-risk everything for a business, and this is, you know, research helps to make it safe. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I think one one of the questions that I was, you know, keen to ask was, what sort of opposition do you do you get when you speak to this? I mean, are you are you speak? I suppose the people you're speaking to have naturally got a vested interest or have an interest at least in pursuing this strategy. But do you also encounter a lot of opposition and I suppose anger towards this idea? It seems like something that. When you propose it, we'll get a knee-jerk reaction of people instantly being very cross about the whole thing. So I talk about there being four types of people in this. One is the whole, yeah, it's great, I'm doing it, or I really want to do it, I can see how that will completely work for me. Um, and you get those people, you get those people. Then you get the, then you get the ones that go, well, yeah, look, I think it's a really good idea. I just have no idea how I would make it work, but I really like the idea of pursuing it. Then you get the, that's a load of BS, that will never happen. The businesses, it, it, you're talking a load of rubbish. 
Um, and then you get the ones who go, oh, that's a lovely idea. Good on you, sweetie. Uh, it would never work in my business. Or, yeah. or more amazingly, it will never work in my industry. I mean, people making a whole judgment for their entire industry. You know, and I get, you get that a bit from, from the likes of law, for example. But yet there are law firms doing it. You get it from people in education. But yet there are schools doing it. You get it people from people in the medical industry. But yet... There are people in the medical industry doing it. So, um, the, so, so the last two, I generally work on the basis, and I think your probably your listeners will be able to relate to this. I have a phrase that I say, I'm not going to share my big idea with small-minded people. Right. And so the last two people, I'm kind of like, you know, I will put a bit of effort into telling you what it's all about and give you some information. But it's the first two that are so hungry and want our help to make that happen. And I could, you know, if I just worked with those people for the rest of my life, I would get through a small portion of them. And the rest will just get eaten by their competition. You know, this is, you know, you, you work in recruitment. Everything is about how you get a competitive advantage and get the best people working for you. They're all going to work for the four day week people. They're not going to work for someone that, that doesn't, you know, can't even open their ideas to a new way of working. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that competitive advantage um, is is is, I think, a, obviously, a huge incentive for the. I suppose that's the one of the benefits of introducing this. Once you've got, if you're using that research that you mentioned, that justification to then bring in that competitive advantage is is massive. Are you? Have you seen a, a sharp increase in the amount of companies that are expressing an interest in this and working in, in, in the four-day oh, week way? Yeah, well, I, mean, I literally cannot keep up. Right. Um, so actually what we are going to do is we are putting together a framework by where um, consultants who already have HR businesses or business consultancy businesses will be able to be licensed by us as four-day week coaches and they will right. be able to get businesses on a on a program of, of, of helping them get into a four-day week and then giving them a, um, a four-day week certification at the end of it. So, And the reason why we went down that road was in discussions with, with businesses, they, they want something further, and also in discussions with, with worker, um, it's the likes of unions, but worker representative organisations, uh, where they're sort of saying, but, you know, it's, it's a business just doing this so that they can then have a pathway to redundancies. And, you know, and this is absolutely not about that. And so, therefore, what we want to do is put a safe pathway in. This is about creating a new way of working that, is, that enables businesses to have the flexibility and the agileness within their workforce without pushing that workforce out to a gig economy. You know, where in the gig economy, you don't get holiday pay, sick pay, you know, um, minimum wage, you don't get a superannuation, you, you don't get anybody investing in you and helping you, you know, get, get up, you know, and, you know, sort of, you know, poor old Uber gets used as the, as the example of gig all the time. But, you know, you can't tell me there are a whole pile of Uber drivers who are doing that because they have a choice or they feel they have a choice and they don't feel invested in. Um, and so what we want to do is ensure that our, our workforce doesn't end up, you know, all having to be Uber drivers because they've not got the things necessary that protect them in the way that, that, that we're entitled 
to, to expect for them to be protected and businesses valuing them and understanding that you are my, you are my uh, very special people that I really value and that you contribute to my productivity. And so back to the productivity thing, if you really truly understand what productivity is in your business and your staff are truly engaged with helping you get that to its max, then you are working in complete conjunction with each other. You know, it, it, that is a complete partnership. A business, unless you're self-employed and you're one person in your business, you need your staff. And mm. you need them working at their complete maximum benefit to you. And that benefit needs to be handed back. And we do that with wages, let's face it. That's what pay is all about, remuneration. But if you th believe in the philosophy, which I, um, which I do, which is we borrow our people from their lives, and you, and you understand that actually their lives are who they are and they come to work. Workers shouldn't be who they are. It's part of their life, but it's not who they are. So I love that, 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 mm. that, that phrase. We borrow our people from their lives. That and employers that recognise that, I think, are the ones that are leading in this stage and they understand that we are uh, the the virgin unite and the b team have a program called 100 percent human at work and they you know meet uh in uh, sydney and in london i spoke at both of those events where and they that's exactly what they're talking about it's this this um process that all of the more enlightened employers are on that says right i need to be good on the environment i need to be good with gender I need to be good with mental health i need to be good with training my people for ai you know i uh, you know i need to be good about all of these things in mm. the uk it's you know public companies are being required to uh, report on their gender balance and on their you know their gender equality issues and things and and i think there will be more of that uh, coming in 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 times to come as governments recognize that there is more there, there are more important moves afoot than than just you know how many hours you can screw out of out of a, uh, out of out of you know and if and if we believe that we borrow our people from their lives then we look at how many hours they are giving to us and that's where the four-day week comes in yeah yeah, it's re that's a really interesting way of looking at at the, um, but it's that, isn't it? It's 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 working to live and not living to work, and um, and and I suppose when companies give their employees that trust and that level of respect to do that, then obviously it's going to be repaid in a lot of a lot of ways, especially in a time where employees are less loyal than ever. Um, you know, people move about a lot more. This is it's could potentially yep. be a way to to reinvigorate that. Well, the, the whole concept of, um, you know, going to work for a company and retiring from that company so and spending the bulk of your career at one or maybe two companies was the time of our grandfathers. Mm. Um, we, you know, and uh, through my generation, I'm a Gen X, and through my generation, we have, we've, you know, we've had several jobs, not, not lots and lots, but several jobs, depending on whether we are physically mobile, i.e. living in different countries or anything. But, so we have several jobs, but the, the, the young ones these days, I'm turning into an old person, <laughs> but the young people don't necessarily, as much as, as we, we say that they, you know, they, they're gonna have lots of jobs and things, that they don't 
the certainty of, 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 of having one or two jobs through the lives of their great their grandparents and great grandparents doesn't exist for them anyway. So yeah. if they, even if they wanted it, it's, we're not offering that sort of workplace to them. We are offering them a workplace that is full of disintermediation and full of adaption and change and your job does, you know, might not exist in 10 years time or five years time or even next year. And so as the, the workplace that they live in doesn't offer them those same things. And so they have adapted and understood that they need to be mobile and agile. And that's the mindset that they that they take in, and then they bring all the ideas that come with that. I think it's you know it's it's there's there's some negativeness around it, but there's also a lot of really positive stuff if we treat it in with the value that we should. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the agility side of everything. So on that, so sticking with sort of agility and flexibility, I think a lot of um, people and myself included until I sort of thought about it more is you know you're here four day week and you assume Monday to Thursday and Friday off um, but I'm assuming there's lots of different forms this can take and is it sort of embracing that flexibility and embracing a different way of thinking about this that enables companies to actually take that step Yes. Now, look. So the four-day week is um, is is, and it's, so it's not the three-day weekend. From what we what we talk about, now there are lots of companies, particularly in the UK, where it is a three-day weekend. They take Mondays or they take Fridays off, um, and that works for them. And there are some good reasons, particularly in smaller businesses. There's a certain sense of collaboration around us all having Fridays off, you right. know, and the office being closed. And it's easier to shut down people's lives from work if you just close your office. The reality is that's just not possible for most businesses. And it certainly wasn't possible for ours. Um, and so one of the primary requirements when our team were doing their trial was that customer service must not go down. So they had, productivity had to stay up customer service could not go down. And so therefore, we, and we, so we have branches open every day. Uh, that couldn't happen. We can't just close the business no. for a day. So we said to them, choose days within your team that allow your team imperatives to be maintained that also then also um, are, are good for your team members. And so I, you know, so I use examples. So it's during the trial, most people took a whole day off. Um, but then when we got to working it permanently, people were a little bit more sophisticated around actually what they needed. So, for example, we have one staff member whose husband is a chef. She takes Tuesdays off because that's a day that he is off. Right. We have another young man in, um, in Christchurch. He's studying his Master's of Law. He takes Wednesdays off because he can study all day, treat it like a work day, and then he can have his entire weekend off. Because, you know, we've all done study, you know, outside of work and it ruins your weekend because, you know, you on Saturday, you know, you've got to get a bit of work done and you've got to try and find some time on Sunday as well. And it kind of just gives you a rubbish weekend because you've got yeah. this on you to, to get, to get uh, that work done. And so having a full work day, getting it out of the way and then back in, and he gets his, his weekend. So he, he loves that. But we also have other staff members. I've got one staff member in Auckland. He, he uh, takes his daughter to school and they walk to school. 
So each morning she's not being rushed out of the door. He says, you know, if she wants to play for an extra couple of minutes, she can. And then they walk to school, which is great father-daughter time. And then he turns up to work at 10 o'clock. So yeah. every morning at 10. Um, another team member, actually the head of his team, leaves at three and picks his son up from school every day. So, and he decided to do that because on his first day off, he went into the classroom, uh, sorry, went into the playground to pick his son up. His son sees him, runs out, wraps his arms around his father's legs and says, Daddy, what are you doing here? <laughs> and so he said, I'm going to have that every day. Right. And so that's how he structures it. So their team has someone coming in late and someone leaving early. And it doesn't... And what one of the comments that was given to me the other day was around the fact that, you know, at the beginning... You know, there was lots of chatter about who's going to be around and, 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 and when can we fit in meetings and how can we, you know, coordinate this stuff. And we're, we're, we've got 240 people, so we're not huge, but we're also not really little. Mm. And, and, and this person was commenting around, it's just not even a conversation anymore. We've just, everything just settles into this new way of working. And so we're giving our people the thing that they can spend the time on the most. And, you know, I have another staff member <laughs> who uses every time she goes out for a tramp out into the, into the woodlands and gets out into nature because that's what tops her up. She does that. And then she has a catch up with friends or family or, you know, connects them with her community. And those are the two things she always does. Mm. So she takes a whole day off and those are the two things she always does. And they're the two things that top her up the most. So mm. when we pay our staff with time, they can spend it in the way that best suits them and best gives them their life. Which, and again, well, on that well-being, I mean, we've done work around, we've, we've it, within Charles Morris, you know, we've done a lot of look, looking at well-being and things recently. And mm. the, it's often presenteeism that costs more than absenteeism, isn't it? I suppose this, this. Well, if I'm present, and I'm bored, and I'm not being very productive, I'm going to disrupt your day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Gonna, Chris, hey, what do you think of this idea? How is that football game? You know, all of those sort of things. If I'm actually not focusing on my productivity. Now, some of that socialness we need in the workplace. Um, and we've, you know, we've put in place and we recommend to, that, you know, to organisations that you do have some structure around what people are going to do so they can remain social. Um, and so we, so for example, we, we, we largened the size of our lunchroom and we said, look, nobody should eat at their desks. So the reason for that is that one, I'm, if I'm eating at my curry <laughs> next to you <laughs> uh, in our open plan office, that's a little disruptive to you. Um, and so, th th so it's about removing disruptions from the work areas, but it's also about creating that, that, that ability for people to talk to each other and, and have some time, which is you know, social and, and not work related. So do you think then, I mean, with the response that obviously it's been a huge success for, for you guys and um, we've, you know, you're here, you, you are hearing it more and more cropping up as, as, a, as an idea and something that companies are, are embracing. Um, is it, do you think the four day work, the four day work week will eventually become the standard? 
I think it will become one of the standards. Okay. Um, it, it'll probably become, a, it's, it's tricky to legislate for, and you know, the, the Labour Party in the UK were very keen on having it uh, formed in legislation, but the problem is my four-day week's not going to look like your four-day week. Yeah. And that's just us as people, but it's also my business's four-day week's not going to look like your business's four-day week. And so actually, how do you form and structure that into legislation would, would be tricky because there's, a, you know, it, there is a, arguably going to be, you know, areas where it just doesn't work as easily as it does in others. And actually, when we do our um, part of the framework that we're putting together for the consultancy business and people being able to be licensed as four-day week or certified as four-day week is the fact that you won't necessarily be able to get all of your business onto a four-day week all in one go. There will be parts of your business that will be easier than others. And we recommend with business, for, you know, for business leaders to not get bogged down about the fact that they can't do it across every single uh, division straight away. Start with the divisions you know you're going to be able to get, have a good chance of getting this across and learn from those uh, areas and get them to participate in the solution around how you might work it for elsewhere in the business. And so you would have a, you would roll it out. And so if you've got to, you know, a, a process of having sort of 65 to 70% of your people on four day week, you're probably getting to about where, you, where it is. One of the things that we require in our business is if you're, if you're in the leadership team, you have to do four-day week. You know, no one is too important for okay. having okay. a life. And it, part of breaking down those barriers around access to the C-suite for people who can't work full-time, i.e., you know, let's face it, generally women, um, and, or who don't want to work full-time, but are doing a full, uh, a, a full productive quantum for the business in the time that they have available to be able to be borrowed from their lives. Um, and so, you know, so what we want to be having is that conversation around, you know, bringing women into the C-suite and bringing women up through the gender equality and, gen, you know, getting equal pay and all that sort of thing. There's only so much we can do to bring women up. But actually, we've got to help men get out as well. And this is why I, I tell this, so many of the stories about how four-day week impacts on our men and their caring duties. Because actually, it's a very different psychology for men to take time away from work and feel like it's not going to impact on their career. And so we, <coughs> we need a process by where we are helping to flip that so that it's just as safe for them to make that decision to stay away from work and do take responsibility for some of the care duties as it is that women take that on. And so it's, a, this is a, it's, it's about a rebalancing that helps both genders. Yeah, that's, and, and that was going to be another question of mine as well. When you've, well, perhaps when, when it's been a mature program and something that you've, you've, you've had rolled out for a while, um, you know, it's, it's, as you say, everyone adapts and adopts and, and, and gets on with it and, and, and find their own way of working it. But is there, in the initial process, is it, is it difficult to stop people working that fifth day? I mean, or is that even something you want to do? Or is, how, how's that side of it? Yeah. Well, so, so again, so I always work on the basis that we are borrowing people from their lives. But the problem is that some people don't really have 
um, the motivation to just work. I was at one of our team, I said to him, so how, how's it going? You're doing the four day week? No. I said, oh, why not? Oh, I don't know. You know, he had no real reason why he wasn't doing it. Well, there's not many of my team and he's, he's sort of, uh, his job role, he, he, he's that person that does that job role in his branch and there's one of him in, in across the branches uh, around the country. And he's like, well, there's not many of us doing it. And he said, oh, I think this guy's doing it. You know, but he just doesn't, there just didn't seem to be much motivation. He says, besides, I think I'd struggle to take a whole day off. And I went, okay. I said, could you take two half days? Oh yeah, I could probably do that. You know, so it's it's about um, it's about how four day week iterates in your business. So mm. part of the push for us over the next year is going to be looking at those people who are not doing it and why. Is it because their job roles realistically are too busy and they are working like crazy and therefore? You know, what are our concerns around their mental health and their ability to engage with their communities and, and what they're doing uh, out there? And so is that something as a business we need to look at? Um, or is it that they're just disengaged with the whole idea? And so therefore, you know, what can we do to, to encourage them along? So, for example, one of the things that the people in our business who do four-day week um, do is that we require them, and it's complicated as to why, so I won't go into why, but... Um, we require them to do four days a year working in a charitable organization or a right. community. Um, and so, and lots of companies do that with, you know, one day a year, everybody goes out and does those things, but we do, everyone's does four, to, four days a year. And that's just for the people who are on four day week. And so I, what I want to do is actually encourage our businesses to look at it and go, well, I'm already paying you for that day anyway. Um, so how about we make everyone do it? And therefore, actually encourage our staff to be looking out outside of their workload. Because one of the things that is really surprising, we had it in, in New Zealand, of all places, where we have beautiful sea and, and mountains and a fabulous climate and uh, an amazing place to be. We even had in our organisation, and that's uh, information that's in our research, uh, you know, people going, I'm not sure what I would do with the time off. Right. And so, and which, which is really interesting. We weren't expecting that. Um, and if you look at the Microsoft um, example, and if, you, and if you look at, and, and certainly this is what I find uh, when I'm talking to people around the world, this seems to be a, a, a common problem. But if you think about in Japan, where Microsoft did their thing, and they've got this overworkedness that they do. Mm. Uh, and uh, so when they did their trial, they, they did three things to make four-day week work in the business. They, they shortened meetings for 30 minutes, and no more than five people per meeting, and please use Microsoft Teams. But then they had a program around what you were going to do with your time off. And they had three things there. They had, are you going to spend time uh, building your career? Are you going to spend time in, with your family? Are you going to spend time with the community? And they had a program to support efforts in those right. areas. Well, and so that, you know, that takes another thing where, you know, we often say that the business owner's responsibility doesn't end at the factory gates. Yeah. And that I think is, that's Microsoft taking it to another level is actually, how are we going to support you with those initiatives that you might want to do outside of work? And so whether a business wants to go that far or not, they have to also understand that sometimes people will take time to adjust. Because we all know how to spend a day. When we get a long weekend, a holiday weekend, we all know how to spend that time, right? Mm -hmm. But that's because it's only every now and then. 
Mm. But if it's a structured part of your life, it's like, well, I, I need to develop some new habits around that. I can't just use it as a day to sit back and just, you know, watch Netflix all day or, yeah. or you know, or, or take a, a long weekend and, 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 you know, and have a quick break. Um, and I'm scrambling a whole pile of stuff into, into, into that one long weekend. Uh, and so, but then, you know, then people go, oh, well, I could enroll in a course or I could learn something new or I can visit mum, you know, every day uh, or, you know, if, or one, you know, once a week or I can do this at the next thing and people will spend their time in a, in a way that they, they settle into. But it generally takes about three weeks for people to really settle into that. Mm. But for business owners, it can take a lot longer. So there was a, there's a company in the UK, um, they started it in January of last year, sorry, January this year, and it took the business owner until July to do it properly herself. And, you know, and it, it, was, it was iterations. First thing she had to learn to stop doing, because they take Mondays off, first thing she had to stop doing was um, emailing her staff on a Sunday night. Right. So she'd have her brain dump, and she'd email her staff, and uh, and then of course they're not working Monday, but then they they felt not obliged because they're a really engaged workforce, but they kind of thought they should answer their emails yeah. on the Monday. Um, so so there were work habits that she had to. So she she first started taking Monday mornings off, and, and you know, and, and and she sort of it took her. She then took a proper holiday in July. And, um, and then when she came back, she went, right, I'm going to do this. Right. So, um, so everyone's journey to what a four-day week looks like is, a, is as, almost as varied as what their four-day week looks like. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, I was going to finish up there, and I, I suppose what you've just said might negate this question a little bit. Um, because, you know, because it's so flexible and it's going to be different things to different people. But to, to, to finish, Charlotte, have you got any tips or things you would advise people who maybe starting to think about this journey you know what what they can do to to start getting their head around it yeah absolutely look the the main piece of advice we give business owners or business leaders is you can't solve this problem right your role is to just be clear that you want to do it and if you can be clear that you want to do it then you hand it over to the staff that was the success of what we did we said to the staff, Andrew said, look, I, guys, I want to do this. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. So please feel free to design what it's going to look like. And so they found how they were going to make it work. They iterated all of them. Now, some of it is led by legislation and some of it is led by, you know, external factors. But on the whole, this, is a, this will work if it is a staff-led project. And the businesses that make it work are the ones that continue to have it being staff-led and continue making sure that what the four-day week that they offer to their staff is, is something that their staff truly want. Because I'm gonna hold on to that like blue blazers because it's something that's really important to me. So if you said I have to be, you know, we've agreed that this is what my productivity looks like, that's what I need to get my, my day off, I'm doing that. Yeah. But don't forget that we all, sorry, I'm going on a little bit, but we, we yeah. all feel, if you have a day where you come to work and you've been really productive, 
you get, get to the end of the day and you say to your partner, your partner says, says to you, how was your day? You say, look, I've had a great day because you've yeah. achieved stuff and you've been all productive. You, you turn that around the other, other way and if you've just been busy and present with presenteeism and things, you get to the end of the day and your partner says, how was your day? You go, oh, that shit was rubbish. Mm. You know, and so actually what we're giving our staff, it comes down to the well-being space productivity and being productive and understanding what my productivity does in relationship to the business outcomes makes me feel good about being work. That's, uh, that's excellent. That's really interesting. That's really, I suppose, salient point to, to end on there. But Charlotte, thank you very much. I think hearing your perspective on this is, as well is, is, you know, is fascinating and, and people here for day week. And as I said before, you know, instantly jump to, a massive variety of conclusions, um, which, which, you know, there's, 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 there's many different forms this can take. And it's, it's a really interesting topic, but, but yeah, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. So I'll just give you a couple of things at the end. Um, Andrew has written a book on this because literally we cannot talk to absolutely everyone. Right, okay. Uh, and that releases in the States on the 7th of January uh, and the UK on the uh, 6th of February. It's available. Okay. It'll Available on ebook and audio book from the seven. Um, so that's point number one. And I'll end on uh, with the words that Andrew uses all of the time. It's the best thing that we have done in business. So that was my conversation there with Charlotte Lockhart, uh, who was telling us all about the four day week. Um, so do make sure to check out the work that she and her team are doing, uh, as well as Andrew Barnes's book, uh, a link to which I've included in the description of this episode too, alongside the email address you can use to get in contact with us. Um, once again, we'd love to get your input and thoughts on the topic, and we'll be publishing much more content around this in future. So if you would like to get involved, then please do use that email and, uh, you know, tell us what you think. That's everything for today and for this episode. Um, I do really hope you enjoyed this this uh, edition of CM Conversations. And until next time, thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye.